Welcome to Feed Matters, Feed Navigator's podcast series dedicated to exploring industry challenges and highlighting emerging topics. I'm Erin Einstein-Curtis, and this week we spoke with Gina Tumbarello, the Director of International Policy and Trade with the American Feed Industry Association, or AFIA. AFIA's mission is to represent the U.S. feed industry and provide its member companies a voice on issues involving federal and state legislation and regulation. It also seeks to educate its membership on industry developments and provide networking opportunities with key stakeholders to support the success of the feed and animal agricultural industries. In part one of our podcast series, looking at recent developments with trade deals, we spoke with Gina to get a better understanding of the issues and topics that AFIA focused on during the renegotiation of the North American Free Trade Agreement, now known as the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement, or USMCA. We'll be following up with her in a future podcast to explore elements of the U.S.-China Phase 1 Trade Agreement. Gina, can you give us an update on where the revised trade deal between Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. is at the moment? Sure. Well, in order for USMCA to officially be implemented, all three parties, signatory parties, have to ratify the agreement. So Mexico has already done that. At the end of January, President Donald Trump signed USMCA officially ratifying it for the U.S., and now all that's pending is Canada's ratification. And I believe um, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau last month was mentioned he was hoping to get it done by the end of February, <laughs> um, but it is still in the Parliament's Foreign Affairs and International Trade Committee, and I think they have some planned hearings for this week, which may end up delaying the Canadian ratification until as late as April. So it's really in the hands of the Canadians now and that we're all just standing by. As it stands now, are there many questions about how the revised trade deal will be implemented once it has been fully ratified by all three countries? Not necessarily. I think what's important to understand for our members and their products is that under NAFTA, we were already enjoying zero tariffs. So we aren't looking at tariff reductions in that capacity, nothing really concrete with the implementation of USMCA. Uh, But the big wins really are one, in reinforcing those commitments that we had under NAFTA that allowed our industry to flourish, but also um, improving the conditions for competition and trade for our products. So part of that is the new language in the sanitary and phytosanitary chapter, which is going to expand the commitments for the signatories beyond the obligations that they had under NAFTA and even further to be on the obligations the countries have under the World Trade Organization's sanitary and phytosanitary chapter. And what's really unique about this scenario with the SPS chapter is that, you know, NAFTA was over 25 years old, and when it entered into force, that was before the WTO was even established and before the SPS, WTO-SPS chapter was implemented. So NAFTA almost in a way set the groundwork for WTO's SPS chapter, but now USMCA kind of takes it to that next level and um, allows these three countries to really hone their commitments beyond 
their general obligations under WTO. So how that will be implemented will be really interesting, but there are a lot of mechanisms through the, in the agreement that support transparency and communication amongst the partners to ensure that all parties are committing to um, enhanced SPS measures. Given that the U.S., Canada, and Mexico are already trading partners, what do you see USMCA meaning for future trade among those three countries? Trade has already expanded extensively for our industry under NAFTA and for for many industries. So, you know, USMCA is first and foremost an opportunity to keep animal food exports strong and growing in the face of global competition. There are a lot of new trade, bilateral trade and regional trade agreements happening, um, new competition, new products in the market. So USMCA allows us to, to continue to be competitive. But even with the export success and growth that the U.S. has had with Canada and Mexico, technology continues to develop and new and novel U.S. products are coming to the marketplace. So that's why it's been so important for us to focus on USMCA really enhancing the foundation that NAFTA had for uh, for sanitary and phytosanitary measures, but also for technical barriers to trade so that there aren't any unnecessary hurdles to U.S. products capturing market opportunities in Canada and Mexico as technology continues to grow and change. Uh, so that's that's where I really see the future opportunities for our industry. Could you tell me a little more about the changes to the sanitary and phytosanitary or SPS commitments included in USMCA? Sure. Um, So the USMCA SPS chapter has a lot of new modernized concepts that we're starting to see actually become really prevalent in in U.S. negotiating goals um, over the last couple of years. Um, the SPS chapter includes specifically rules for identifying managing SPS risks while also preserving the ability to maintain regulations, um, making sure that they're no more restrictive than necessary. Um, So it really strengthens the WTO basic principles, but takes it to that next level by providing guidance on how to do that. It has higher standards for risk assessments and risk management and includes um, specific language, like I said, that elaborates and expands on the, the basic framework of the WTO SPS chapter. It goes even further to specifically support transparency and collaboration of uh, regulatory development between the the signatory parties on SPS measures. And it does that through establishing a committee on sanitary and phytosanitary measures and even provides guidelines for how to manage technical consultations on SPS issues amongst the parties. So it's very, I'd say it's very specific and it goes, it definitely goes beyond the WTO provisions. Um, by providing some guidelines and framework for how to modernize SPS commitments. What other barriers to trade do you see USMCA addressing beyond the SPS chapter? 
Well, I think it was really helpful to see some some enhancement on uh, the TBT ch chapter, technical barriers to trade. Obviously, um, barriers to trade are far beyond just addressing tariff barriers and phytosanitary uh, and phytosanitary issues, but those other is uh, barriers that are out there that are maybe more regulatory in nature. So there, there is a TBT chapter in USMCA that builds upon the WTO TBT uh, agreement that provides more detailed guidance on uh, identifying and applying uh, such standards. So it's, I think that's really going to help serve as another framework for um, identifying potential barriers that come up that are outside the scope of SPS issues, which will be really helpful. It was my understanding that AFIA has had some questions about Canada's feed registration requirements previously. Was that also one of the elements addressed in USMCA? It's a little complicated, but you know, in essence, the animal food product registration requirements that are under Canada's feed regulations, there is a component to it that does, in some capacity, give preference to domestically produced products over imported products, um, which is unfortunate <laughs> in as far as we're concerned, not completely in line with you know, national treatment um, obligations under WTO and even with, within USMCA now. Um, the product registration exceptions are made for domestically manufactured product but not imported product, and that is even if the imported product meets the nutrient guarantee requirements. So it's just it's it's an unfair and unnecessary restriction that we're hoping to identify. Now unfortunately USMCA doesn't specifically address our feed registration challenge with Canada. However, we anticipate so Canada is publishing this year their proposed feed modernization regulations. They I know they've been working on that since about 2011. So we're hoping that comes out this year, and we're eager to see how that might address some of our um, product registration issues. And if it doesn't to the extent that we'd like, we're hopeful that this updated language within USMCA would provide for a good platform for us to further address those issues. So we'll, we will see. Do you have any thoughts, or has AFIA been watching the provisions of the trade agreement that address some tangential issues like improved access for animal products? Well, I think, you know, in general terms, we were watching and kind of observing from the sidelines what was happening with the rest of our friends in the ag industry. Um, you know, the benefits for our members go beyond just us exporting. It's the value-added products that we're able to export to Canada in the form of animal proteins. So supporting their efforts to expand market access in, in Canada and Mexico, you know, obviously has advantages for our industry as well. So we supported our, our colleagues in that capacity and through, through a, a, a varied efforts uh, through coalitions and whatnot. So. Looking at trade a little more broadly, it seems like there's been a lot of progress in the last few months. Is that accurate? I know, I know. Japan phase one and China phase one and 
USMCA. It's great. It's, it's, it's such a rare thing to see such significant movement in trade because it is such a long-term effort, and it's, uh, it's definitely exciting for me. There were moments where we weren't sure if there was going to be an end in sight or you know, a rainbow at the end of the cloud, but our administration really did come through for us, at least for our industry specifically. We're really pleased. Aside from USMCA and the Phase 1 trade deal with China, what other trade negotiations is AFIA watching or involved with? Phase 2 for Japan, you know, Phase 1 really only hit tariff reductions. Phase 2, we want to see movement on an SPS chapter, something close to, if not uh, beyond what we originally negotiated in the Trans-Pacific Partnership that we pulled out of progress on that. And then, um, you know, the last six months we've been doing a market assessment in Vietnam for our industry. And we should be wrapping that up here shortly and have some hopefully really beneficial takeaways from that assessment about ways we can move forward about capturing uh, some opportunities in that market. And then another area that we're looking into is I'm sure you heard that the U.S. is going to be starting trade negotiations with Kenya, which would be a, a really beneficial opportunity for AFIA as an association to branch out into, into that continent. That trade agreement is really um, envisioned to set the stage for future trade agreements in that region. So we, we definitely want to be engaged as much as possible on, on behalf of our industry and our members with our trade negotiators to ensure that our interests are, are addressed, captured, and, and even more importantly, so we can better understand what opportunities are in that market for, for our members. So we've got a lot uh, to look forward to this year, well, the next couple years, and I think it's, it, should be <laughs> it should be pretty interesting, hopefully.